time, folks! Oh, so this is the thanks I get for working overtime. Overtime! You think you know me. Live from the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios, it's overtime with William Patterson, Dawson Wise, and Max Pennell joining you on a Wednesday night, 865-546-8200, your number if you want to hop in and join. Uh, big hour ahead of us as we talk about the, the Vols pitching prevailing in the home opener yesterday against UNC Asheville. Uh, we'll check in during the game uh, that's currently being played right now between ETSU um, as well. We'll also give our Best bets at the end of the hour, so something to stick around for there. But we begin today's episode with the Vols defeating Mizzou in an ugly performance. Mm. Uh, but a win's a win, an ugly win's a win, whatever you want to say. Uh, but facing a seven-point deficit with under 16 minutes to play Tuesday night at Missouri, the Vols answer the call and storm back to claim a 72-67 to road victory in Como. Sophomore forward Tobey Awaka posted a career-high 18 points and a co-best 10 rebounds for fifth-ranked Tennessee, who improved to 20-6 and on the season and 10-3 and in SEC play. Uh, neither offense found its groove. We were sitting here last night, Dawson, watching the, the first half of this game. Um, it became a matchup of who would n- make a bucket next. Not even <laughs> – It was l- gross. L- let alone who would take a lead. It would Who would make a bucket? I think they started <laughs> off combined one of 16, um, the, the, yeah. the two teams did. Yeah. So um, neither offense was in their groove. Uh, but the Tigers went 3 of 10 from the three-point line and 10 of 13 at the line compared to Tennessee uh, missing all nine of its three-point attempts and shooting eight of 13 at the stripe, uh, 61%. Uh, not good there. Uh, those differentials helped Missouri, despite logging 10 turnovers, take a 29-26 to edge into the locker room after leading by as many as five points. Now, Tennessee responded with a dominant 32-12 to surge over the course of 11 minutes, featuring a trio of uh, 7-0 runs and seven straight made field goals to go from down seven to up by a game best 13, uh, going up 67-54 without a, about a minute left or four minutes left, I should say, right before that, that four-minute timeout. Uh, 15 of the first 23 points came from fifth-year guard Dalton Connect. Uh, you needed him in that moment. He uh, prevails and steps up. Um, who shot six of eight during a five-minute stretch after not previously making a shot from the floor. Uh, Connect finished with 17, grabbed a season-best 10 rebounds uh, to notch his first double-double in a Tennessee uniform. Kind of crazy he hasn't achieved that with all of his impact he's had on this season. Um, Jonas Adu with 14 and a game-best four blocks. Zakai Ziegler added 10 points as well in the victory uh, for Missouri. Uh, Sean East the second. 
a guy we talked about yesterday, um, was really the focal point of this offense, and he was really big for the Tigers yesterday. He was really good. Uh, 24 points, six assists, went seven of 15 from the floor, uh, Three of six on three-pointers, 7-11 from the line. Uh, Noah Carter, another graduate forward, uh, scored 20, uh, shooting three of four behind the arc um, and added in a team-best seven rebounds. Uh, so this kind of taking this game as a whole now, uh, look, an ugly win. But I think what Tennessee proved in this one is even if they get down and, and, and despite a bad opening performance, it's how you respond. Are you able to fight through adversity? and bounce back. We've seen Tennessee bounce back in games this year, like losing to A&M, then bouncing back at Arkansas. Yeah. Um, you know, you've seen situations like that, but you haven't really seen Tennessee bounce back in a game mm-hmm. where they start off really poor, you need a response, and you, you haven't necessarily gotten one this season, and this game you do. As ugly as it was, I think it showed that Tennessee does have the capability, despite poor play, uh, they can get it done. Um, and, and, and win a game on the road. Missouri's not a good basketball team. We no. all know that. No. Um, but even when you're shooting as bad as they were in that first half, the ability to respond and go out to a 32-12 run, that's what wins you games in March. That's what wins you games in the SEC tournament. Um, you needed a little bit of adversity. I think you found that, and they were able to respond well. Max, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I think you uh, kind of touched on what I had to say as well. You know, the, the first half, I think, gets you beat against – 80 to 90% of even NCAA tournament teams, you know, 13 and 14 seeds could beat you with that performance. Um, They're better than Missouri. So that was worrisome. Obviously, I think we all understand that. I'm sure Rick Barnes addressed that as well. But, you know, like you said, the ability to bounce back was, uh, you know, it was impressive. I I still think there are some concerns against playing half-court teams. Once again, this is another team that like to keep the game in the half court, and, and Tennessee struggled for at least you know the first 25, 30 minutes of the ball game. Dalton Connect isn't on the team. I don't know if Tennessee wins that game. I think this is a game last year's team probably loses in yep. ugly fashion, despite Missouri's you know th- their abundance of warts. I I felt you know I, I wrote this down at halftime. I felt like if we were playing you know Alabama, Auburn, any of the top SEC teams, probably down 12 plus at half oh, with yeah. that first half yeah. performance. So uh, we were lucky that it was Missouri. Um, it, it is a pattern that I, I am going to keep tabs on and, and is worrisome. But like you said, William, they finally got one where they came back and won, showed some resilience, some resolve. Uh, some guys had to step up in key moments. You know, not a necessarily moment where we're up five and need someone to make a shot, but where we're trailing, someone's got to emerge outside connect. Tobe Awaka was that person on Wednesday. Um, still some questions, and I'm sure we'll cover those. But, yes, I think – the game, you can take some silver linings while also acknowledging that that probably isn't good enough to win against, you know, like I said, most NCAA tournament teams. Yeah, the first one for me is, what was that? Uh, just gross. Uh, the fact that you even needed a double-digit comeback in the second half to get back in that game. Yeah. Uh, and 32 points in the second half to even get over the hump and win. Uh, it was it was ugly uh, in all facets of the game. You played well defensively, I thought, but that's because I mean, Missouri is not a good offensive team. We talked about that a lot yesterday. Uh, but offensively, I mean, you're turning it over, just wasted possessions. I mean, it just they would walk up the court, uh, pass it one time, just looked like everything was locked down, and then they turned the ball over. Uh, so it felt like every yeah. time we came down the court, that's that's what it was. Taking a bad shot or turning it <laughs> over. Um, and compared to the two wins last week, this was a different team. 
completely. Now, the second half, you rebounded, but, man, I mean, you should not be in this spot. Uh, this team looked vulnerable. Now, Tobey Awaka was brilliant. Yeah. Uh, he was excellent in this game. When you needed an unlikely hero, when everybody else was off their game, uh, Tobey Awaka was that guy. Yeah. Uh, he was fantastic last night. It's the best minutes <clears throat> of his Tennessee career by far uh, in multiple ways. I mean, defensively, he was good, but offensively, he was even better. Um, so he's made his case to maybe get more minutes, get more playing time, and get more run from, from Rick Barnes. Uh, and then you guys touched on it. This team is still resilient. You said we'd been waiting for the in-game comeback. I thought yeah. we got a, a taste of that against Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, yeah, uh, on the road at Memorial, but nothing like this, where you no. played this poorly in the first half. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't panic. I, one of my keys yesterday was don't panic if this mm-hmm. game doesn't start yeah. well, uh, and they didn't. Now I don't like, and Max touched on this. I do not like the idea of going into a, an SEC tournament game or the Kentucky game and playing like this in no. the first half, because uh, I think you're down 15, which is a lot more insurmountable than a five-point deficit at Missouri. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least they just don't roll over and fold, which I think is what last year's team would have done. Yeah, and as Max alluded to, this is a a, a tournament type situation. An inferior team comes in and and puts you on the rails early. How do you respond? Um, nice to see they responded last night, but. Um, you know, who knows what happens come tournament time if you get put on the ropes. We saw UNBC put Virginia on the ropes. They were never never able to respond. So many times in these upsets, these teams get put on the ropes. They don't know how to respond. Um, so good to at least see an example uh, of that last night once again. You do mention the Vanderbilt game. That's another example. Um, so I, I like the 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 win in the sense of you were able to come back. I think that's a big takeaway. Eight six five five four six eight two zero zero. Talking uh, Vols and Mizzou. Um, despite having as many made three pointers, the Volunteers went five of seventeen. Uh, that's twenty nine percent. Missouri shot ten of twenty seven. Uh, Tennessee used its interior presence to claim the result. Uh, had a thirty two to twenty two advantage in paint points. Um, had a commanding 26 to six cushion in bench points, and it's uh, good for its highest th- or highest margin, third highest margin, I should say, um, plus 20 of the season in bench point differential. Um, was finding a way to win the highlight otherwise uh, from an otherwise messy performance. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone's gonna, you know, a year from now be like, you know what, I want to turn on the highlights of that Missouri game of, <laughs> yeah, in, in, in sure. February yeah. 2024, yeah. like some of our more. <laughs> statement victories we've had under Rick Barnes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, finding a way to win is all that matters. You know, the when you look at the end of the season, the committee, SEC standings, they don't go and say, oh, did you beat Mizzou by 20 or you beat him by six? You know, they you just got to – and we've seen so many teams this year. We've talked about it at length here. Top ten teams going on the road and losing. So I think despite how ugly it was, the fact that you found a way to win it when so many teams this year, it seems like, haven't been able to do that is impressive. Tobey Awaka, I mean, you said 26 bench points. He basically had about 75% of that. <laughs> um, you know, so he was, that was probably the most impressive performance. Uh, Dalton Connect, you know, really turned it on for about an eight minute spurt there. But yeah. his first half was probably the worst half I think he's played at Tennessee. So it's nice, another example to see him, you know, because I was, I was wondering in the first half the way he, he was performing, okay, is this going to be an off night? So it's kind of nice to know, okay, he can start a game slow, miss a lot of shots, and and still tap into his his talent and put up a respectable performance and put the offense on his back when he needed to, um, despite, like I said, that slow start. So that's another thing I think that is beneficial moving forward when you get to tournament time is he's not going to be scared if he's looking up at halftime and he's got four points or something. He knows he can still make an impact and, and trust himself. So um, those were two highlights for me, I think, you mentioned Dawson, the turnovers. That was 
uh, abysmal. The first half was just, I mean, gross basketball. If I'm Rick Barnes, I just burn the film of that yeah. and say we yeah. got A&M. Um, the one thing I will say about the comebacks, how, you know, the, the Missouri and now Vanderbilt, very impressive. Like I said, on the road as a top-10 team, it, it's impressive no matter who the opponent is in conference. I would like to see one if I can like have like a wish list for Tennessee before the NCAA tournament. Let's do it against uh, an Alabama or you oh. know a Florida, someone where you're. That's the type of team you're going to be seeing in March in the mm-hmm. second round. You know, a, a team that could be a seven seed or a four seed. Where okay, you can do it against Missouri and Vanderbilt. How hard is that? Because it's Missouri right. and Vanderbilt. What about when it's a tournament level team? Then can you still go get one? We saw them almost do it, like you guys have said against Mississippi State, UNC. So. Uh, that's kind of my biggest takeaway from the comeback, but like I said, you know, top ten team on the road this year has been a weird, weird year for that. So wins yeah. a win. Yeah, finding a way to win is always good. I mean, you don't want to lose basketball games. Uh, where and we we talked about it already. Maybe past Rick Barnes teams probably would have lost this game. Even yeah, only last down year's five team, at halftime. You even what twenty nine twenty six at halftime. You probably still find a way to lose that game for last year's team. So this team's got a will that last year's team doesn't. It seems like they've got players that have will that last year's teams doesn't. I mean, Dalton Connect comes out and goes six for eight in the first, what, five minutes of the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, somebody did something early in the second half and said, hey, turn it up, let's go. Uh, and then he, he grabbed the lead from there. Um, but it, it's just it's great to see this team can do that. Now, yeah. again, I'd like to see them do it against a little bit better team. But also the flip side of that is you don't want to have to see them do it, mm-hmm. right? You want to yeah. see them lead wire to wire, be in a game wire to wire, not have to make a comeback. Yeah. So uh, it's good to see they can. You don't want to see them have to do it uh, because you, I don't think you can afford to do it against good teams. Uh, we saw them do it against A&M, never rallied back in that game, never were able to rally back mm-hmm. in that game. Um, so you don't want to do it against them. It goes back to setting the tone. They did not do it last night, but found a way to win, and that's good. Yeah, uh, going back to that scenario uh, with about 15, 16 left to go in the second half, uh, this is coming in from Jordan Moore, one of our correspondents here at Overtime. Going back to finding a way to win, uh, over the next 13 minutes after the 15, 16 mark, uh, where you had Connect and Awaka and Adu uh, playing together, um, Tennessee outscored the Tigers 34 to 19, shot 12 of 19 overall, 57% from two point, 80% from three, um, while holding Missouri to seven of 23, 33% from the two point range, 27% from three, um, and scored 1.74 points per possession, um, and out rebounding them 15 to eight to end up leading uh, 69 to 61. Um, just that little shell right there. Um, I think is the lone highlight of this game. Right. Being able to fight back over those 13 minutes. Right. Um, as Max said, not something you're going to be, um, I guess, getting hyped up for the season uh, <laughs> in, in, in November and going back and say, let's let's watch that Missouri game one more time. No. Uh, not one of those games. But um, I think it was a, a win in itself to be able to, to find a way to win and really was the highlight uh, of the night for me. So Mizzou was able to shoot well. Uh, well over their season average, that is, uh, from behind the arc at the top of the key, making eight three-pointers. The Vols allowed seven open-shot threes as well. And this is something we have looked at and had concerns about recently uh, on here is the Vols' defense, but in particular, perimeter defense against inferior three-point shooting. Uh, We saw it against Georgia. Uh, Georgia was not coming in as a three-point shooting team. 
They put up, what, 14 threes in that team? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and you've seen examples of even at Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt mm-hmm. shot over its season average. Now, in their return to Knoxville, they did not. But um, there are multiple instances this season of teams shooting really well from three. South Carolina could be in there as Arkansas. well. Arkansas. Um, there are a lot of teams that have come in as inferior shooting teams, especially from the perimeter, and fared very well against the Vols. Um, is the Vols' perimeter defense against these inferior teams – uh, particularly that aren't shooting well from the three-point line. Is that a concern? Yes, definitely is. I mean, I think it cost you the game against A&M, and they were a really poor shooting team. Yeah. To, uh, last night against Missouri, you got away with it a little bit because, you know, they you know they could have shot probably 40% if they wanted to, and who knows how that game ends. But mm-hmm. got away with it a little bit because of how poor they were. They still shot above their average, like you said. And for me, you know, I feel like it, I sound like a broken record, but – it's just guys helping too much, you know, in the paint, trying to fill too much, and then it's a it's a simple kick out to someone open. And I wonder if some of that is because this year under Rick Barnes, really for the first time in his tenure, they're playing a four guard and one big lineup, and that was something we all asked for. You know, we were tired of seeing two big men who can't shoot on the court at the same time. It just limited you offensively. So we got that, and I wonder if that's part of it is they feel like they got to help more in the interior. Um, help in the post, et cetera, because there's really only Adu down there. Um, Connect's not, you know, despite his height, is not big enough to be a, a post presence defensively. So that's something that I was thinking about last night. And when you sent in the, you know, the information on that was, is that kind of them overcompensating for the lack of size in the post outside of Adu? Because that, to me, that would be a direct correlation as to why this year it feels like that has been something that isn't a part of Barnes' philosophy to overhelp per se. Yeah. I mean, he loves his guys staying one on one, staying in front of the the uh, offensive player, and just you know basically leaving leaving him on an island. Um, so that that would be my the reason I think it's happening more. And and like you said, it is a very wor- worrisome trend because you do that against a team that can shoot the cover off the ball from three. You you, you know. We might have not been down one at half or three at half. We could have been down, like Dawson said, 15. Yeah. So uh, very worrisome for me. And it's weird because they'll they'll have these games where then it's great. And then they'll a game like last night or a game like South Carolina where you're like, this team shouldn't shoot well from three, and then they do. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I am concerned. Yeah, t- to me, this is the recipe for how this team loses a, g- yeah. a game in the tournament. Uh, is one of these, you know – 12 seed teams, 10 seed teams comes in and it's just not a very good overall talent squad compared to Tennessee. Tennessee has more talent, uh, but then doesn't defend well, especially from three, uh, and loses to a team they have no business losing to. And we've gotten lucky so far that most of those performances are against SEC opponents that, quite frankly, just aren't very good. I mean, Vanderbilt and Missouri aren't good teams. Arkansas is not a good team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Georgia is not a great team. Uh, so you've gotten lucky that these performances are against teams that just – aren't good talent-wise, but you're not going to get that lucky in the NCAA tournament. Uh, so if you come up against that, like the seven seed, for example, right now in the current bracketology would be Utah State. Mm-hmm. Uh, you come in yeah. and defend like that against Utah State, you're not winning that game, I don't mm-hmm. think. Um, so it feels like the recipe for how this team loses, like Max said, someone else that shoots better, again, I think you, you probably are down double digits in this game at halftime if it's against someone else. My, my other question is, does it have anything to do with being on the road? It feels like this happens on the road. Because, I mean, all the examples we named, Arkansas on the road, A&M on the road, Vanderbilt on the road, yeah. Georgia on the road, now Missouri last night in Columbia. So I wonder if it's just being away from home is a problem. But then you go to Kentucky, and it looked like it was fine again. So I, I don't know if it's just you're playing down to your opponent, not playing as hard, not hustling as hard, because it's not a big game in quotes. Mm-hmm. But 
But whatever the problem is, it's a big concern going forward. Yeah, just eyeballing a couple notable upsets over the last couple of years in the tournament. Uh, the UMBC Virginia game. Uh, UMBC had 12 three pointers to Virginia's, to Virginia's four. Um, and even last year, Fairleigh Dickinson outshot outshot Purdue from the three point line as well. And and Tennessee's a different team than Virginia and, and Purdue, but they're just examples of, you know, if, if your three point defense is not continuing to be consistent in traveling, um, then you know a, a moment like that where you face a team that just has a really good shooting night you're because vulnerable. they have the opportunities. You're vulnerable. Yep. Um, so I, I think what if we could kind of put. A, a stew of all of Tennessee's problems we've kind of eyed at this year. It'd be perimeter defense in, in particular against inferior shooting teams that usually shoot over um, their their season average. Um, so you throw that in the pot. Then you'd have just staying out of foul trouble in, in the pot as well and also a dominant big. Um, I think those three things, if you find those three things in the tournament, a team that has a dominant big that can get you in foul trouble – and also has the personnel um, to, to be able to shoot threes. And, and they might not be coming in at a consistent rate, but if they're able to do it um, in a game like that, then that's a, a recipe for disaster in Tennessee, uh, for Tennessee, in my opinion. Um, so um, I, I don't know what it is. They, they've got to fix this, but I don't know what the problem necessarily is. Is it help defense? Is it weak side defense? Is it, because a couple of situations last night, I mean, they hit eight threes from the top of the key. And so it's not like they're running, um, you know, motion to the corners or something like, something like that, throwing skip passes um, to the wings. A lot of their shots came from the top of the key. So I, I, it, it, it kind of mind boggles me. It really does. Anything to add? Well, you know, I think that scenario you just laid out, and obviously this is different because it's a more elite-level team, but I think that combination, and we saw what it looked like in its worst form, was North Carolina. I I mean, they have a dominant big. They Mm -hmm. have, outside of him, the rest of their guys can shoot the ball well from three. I mean, you think R.J. Davis, Harrison Ingram, all those guys are good three-point shooters. And they have, like you said, a dominant big that can get you in foul trouble. And that was the first team that came to mind. And obviously, you're not going to see a team like North Carolina in the first or second round. You might see a watered-down version. But that was, and that was the worst half of defense I think Tennessee's played under Rick Barnes was that first half where they gave up 63 because they could dominate you inside. They took Adu out of the game because he was in foul trouble. And then they had guys that spread the floor that could shoot from three. And it doesn't, didn't even necessarily have to be wide open. You know, they just had shot makers. Mm -hmm. So that to me is the, the team that I look at that say, that's the worst kind of, I think, the only thing that helped us a little bit is North Carolina likes to run a lot, yeah. and that allowed Tennessee's offense to kind of get more yes. of a flow than it does yeah, against some of these other yeah. teams we've struggled with. But their makeup was is exactly what you're saying, I think, and we saw how that turned out. If we're going to talk about teams that are built like that, uh, can we consider Arizona as yeah. well? Plenty yeah, of guys that can shoot shoot the genes off of it, and also Omar Ballo down low that would give us foul trouble problems. There's several teams you could name that are just like that. I, I'd throw BYU in BYU, there as well. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I mean, BYU is a team that live and dies by the three. Um, and I can't remember their their big down low. Oh, Ali Khalifa. Yeah, Ali <laughs> that Khalifa. guy is fun to. And and he's not a dominant big. Um, but he does. I he mean, stretches the floor. Yeah, stretches the floor. High volume for them as well. They got a big win over Baylor last night. I uh, I was watching that game last night, and I said that guy's the type of guy, not necessarily the way he plays, just the way he looks in his yeah. persona, that Tennessee would totally give up like thirty two and lose a <laughs> oh, tournament game. Like, they've had the sister Gene Ryan Klein went oh, off for boy. Purdue. 
Um, And I was like, that's the guy that would put up 25 on us in a tournament game and send us home early. Yeah, and and more stats coming in from from Jordan Moore here. At home, Tennessee is holding opponents to 26.4% from three in the 100th percentile. Um, On the road, they are allowing teams to shoot 37.5. That's 5th percentile. Um, So a, a huge difference between home and away. Um, so I, you know, I, I, you're playing neutral site games in the tournament, but you know, there's no home court advantage now either. If so, you, if you were to meet those numbers in the middle for neutral site for this experiment, you know, we're not going to hold the 26 cause we're not at home, but we're also not going to give up 37 cause we're not on the true road. If they, it's 33%, would you guys take that? I mean, holding a team to 33%, I think is I mean, pr- yeah, pretty it's, good. it's not a bad number. I think I would take that. Uh, if you run into a team like BYU that has a lot of volume, that could hurt you a little yeah, bit. But yeah. I, I think I would sign up for 33%. Yeah, because if BYU – I mean, BYU puts up, you know, 30-something threes a night. Alabama as well. Yeah. Um, so you run into a team like them, you know, 33%, but you're still allowing 10 threes to go down. <laughs> right. Um, I, I think volume is something that's very important. Look, if you hold a team to, you know, 40% three-point shooting, but they only – you know, they went four of ten. Like, that's a different story. Yes. Um, but – I think we see, what we saw last night was a team that was not a good three-point shooting team that had a pretty high volume of them, and, and they converted on a, a fair amount of them as well. Um, so it's definitely a concern. Um, and In a positive light, however, want to talk about Tobey Awaka, a career high in points and co-best uh, 10 rebounds. How important was Tobey's performance down the stretch last night? I mean, it was huge. I, like I said earlier, I think outside of Connect, you know, he was the single most – impactful player in that game in the second half he really took over yeah. and I was nice to see Rick Barnes kind of ride the hot hand a little he bit did. I feel like sometimes he's a little uh, unwilling to do that he likes to stick to the guys he trusts and knows that are entrenched in the lineup um, but he was willing to let Awaka kind of off the leash a little bit and I think it was a perfect matchup I mean the announcers last night were mentioning it too how in the halftime show as well you know Tennessee has had such an advantage uh, in size last night that they really needed to exploit that and they that was clearly yeah. an MO in the second half and Awaka was able to take advantage um, he's still not a polished offensive player by any means but it was nice to see a night like that where he put it all together for once and another thing is he was good from the free throw line I mean last year he was you know you, you'd hold close your eyes and just hope it went in when he was shooting <laughs> free throws and and now uh, you know, he's respectable from the line, which helps him a little bit, too, because he's very good at drawing fouls. He's very physical down low um, and goes up strong. So hopefully they can build on that. And like you said, Dawson, maybe it'll earn him some more minutes. We'll see if that was more of a one-off matchup-based performance or if that's something that he can really keep going. Because that, like I've said with, you know, I thought Adu's our, our X-factor offensively. I've been saying that all year. And you saw again last night when we had a dominant post presence, what happened um, for the rest of the offense, it, it, it started clicking. So Let's see if he uh, can, you know, give us some good minutes off the bench when Adu's not in the game. That'd be a huge boost. Yeah, he's massive, uh, obviously, uh, in multiple ways. Offensively, again, not not perfect by any means, but I think he's improved a lot. Uh, improved a lot last night. Sure looked a lot better than he has in the past. Um, when nobody else was performing, uh, and, and credit to the drives Houston Crest, he put it the best way during the game. He put out a tweet that said, credit to Toby Awaka for mm-hmm. picking up his hard hat and going to work. Yeah. Um, and it felt like even in the first half, 
he kind of just kept us in it a few times. Made a couple of buckets. You're like, all right, well, it steadies the ship a little bit, keeps the gap right around three, five points, and then they really took off in the second half. Uh, it's big to know he could be another option. Again, I hope it earns him more minutes. Uh, I think you were thin down there behind Adu. You had some questions about Awaka and Estrella and what they brought you, so I hope that earned him a little bit of, number one, trust from the coaching staff, mm-hmm. uh, but number two, a little bit more run, a little bit more minutes. Uh, and then on the glass, he was great as well. Helped Tennessee out-rebound Missouri, which was one of my keys yesterday. Yes, which yes was, it was. Get, get good on the glass. Uh, you out-rebound them 44-38 to 38 in that game. 19 offensive rebounds, which is really great, I mean, considering how ugly the shooting was. Mm-hmm. Glad you were at least getting the rebounds and giving yourself yeah. another chance. Uh, he had 10 of the 44 rebounds, and that's really impressive. So he was massive, and I hope we get to see more of it. Yeah, I was happy for him. You know, he was a guy that came into this season uh, with a fair amount of expectations considering how uh, what he did this summer playing for Team USA in, in the FIBA. Um, and he's not been everything we wanted him to be, um, but he's still young. And having a performance like this, I think uh, you kind of tipped your cap to, okay, this is – a guy that maybe down the road could play a little bit of a bigger role. Um, and, and, look, we talk about the the complementary pieces getting involved. They don't just have to be shooters and three-point shooters. It could right. be Tobey Awaka as well, who was a big complementary piece last night. You needed that kind of third wheel, fourth wheel, um, alongside Adu, Ziegler, and Connect, and you get that in Awaka with 18. That's a game-winning performance and, and a, a big night uh, for Tobey Awaka. Um, real quick, Volunteers now head back to Knoxville uh, where they'll face off against AM in a revenge spot um, at Food City Center, live on ESPN, Saturday at 8. Um, expect a bounce back here uh, for the Vols. Yeah, it seems like AM peaked when they beat us. I yeah. mean, they've been, oh, they've been brutal since that victory over us. Um, I expect to bounce back on the uh, on home court. We are such a different team. I still think A and M has some things. You know, the offensive rebounding, um, their tempo that could give Tennessee some fits, maybe make it more competitive than we want. But I, I expect a victory, and it'll be interesting to see. You know, if one of these, it, it seems like every night a different guy steps up as the third option. Can we just get someone that can do it? You know, seventy percent of the time, and and that would be awesome. So maybe. You know, oh, it's a Waka that builds on it again. But, yes, I'm confident. Yeah, it seems that way. Uh, this is going to be an electric atmosphere. It was announced today. That is the Checker TBA game, Checker yes. FCC game, whatever you yeah. want to call it, um, for this year. So uh, it'll be a really electric atmosphere. Barnes teams don't get swept very often in the regular season. So uh, I fully expect to bounce back. You play infinitely better on home court, and I expect, uh, I expect them to come out and respond. It'll be interesting to see what line they put out for this one. I'm expecting ten and a half. Ten, ten and a half. half. That's what I was thinking, too. Um, but I mean, a similar number tonight. You've got Alabama up, creeping up towards ten and a half right now. Mm, um, it's a and, big number, and I, I, you know, I think, um, you know, that's a better team they're playing against in Florida um, compared to where A and M is right now. But yeah, A and M really peaked uh, in that Tennessee win. They've struggled from three Man. ever since. They've struggled to win games. I mean, hell, they lost to Arkansas and Vanderbilt at home <laughs> um, in the same week. Yeah, so. I don't know. I guess Buzz Williams gave his best speech before the Tennessee game and, and ran out of words over the past couple games. When we come back, we'll talk about how the pitching prevailed in the Vols' home opener. Ever been the coach who realized the team's gear just wasn't up to par? Well, if I'm being honest, that was me. Just a downright irresponsible and plain bad coach. Then, SM Athletics changed the game. I want you to picture this. I walk into their store, a coach 
with a vision. SM Athletics didn't just see a coach. They saw a team's potential. And they delivered custom uniforms so striking. Our team's spirit soared. From cutting-edge apparel to top-notch equipment, SM Athletics transformed our presence. No more unreliable online orders or envying the other team's style. SM Athletics stands for quality design and on-time delivery every time. Coaches, elevate your team with SM Athletics. Call 865 966-3434 or visit smathletics.com. Get the best for your team. Delivered right and on time. So, elevate your team's game by contacting SM Athletics today. The superbly versatile all-electric EQB from Mercedes-Benz, a compact SUV that's full of big surprises. An optional fold-out third row offers luxurious comfort for up to seven occupants. And almost 24 cubic feet of cargo space means... This compact SUV is big enough to handle anything you can throw at it or in it. You can set the tone any way you like with 64 color customizable ambient lighting throughout. And just like every other Mercedes-Benz EV, the EQB features the very latest generation MBUX voice activated tech. So whether you want to set a new destination, change the tunes or tune up the heat, all you have to say is, hey Mercedes. This vehicle's all electric, the feeling's all Mercedes. Test drive the EQB today at your local dealer or learn more at MBUSA.com EQB. That's MBUSA.com EQB. Life insurance. Why are you putting it off? Can't afford it? Too much hassle? Think you don't need it? There's lots of excuses for putting off life insurance. But if you weren't there, who would pay the mortgage and other bills? With Ethos, you could be covered in 10 minutes and boom, family protected. Ethos, fast and easy online term life insurance. Up to $2 million in coverage with no medical exam. Some policies as low as a dollar a day. Answer a few health questions and get your free quote at getethos.com. That's getethos.com. Is your home's exterior in need of a makeover? If so, it's time to call North Knox Siding and Windows. Transform your home's curb appeal with premium siding options. From classic to modern styles, they've got something to suit every taste. Upgrade to energy-efficient windows that'll keep your home comfortable all year round while saving you money on your energy bills. North Knox Siding and Windows. Get ready to fall in love with your home all over again. Online at NorthKnoxSidingAndWindows.com. Back here on Overtime, segment number two of hour number one on a Wednesday. We appreciate you listening along with us. Uh, Vols got a big win in the home opener yesterday in baseball, uh, number seven slash nine, whatever poll you want to read. Uh, Tennessee came out on top in a low-scoring affair against UNC Asheville in Tuesday night's home opener inside Lindsey Nelson Stadium, the newly renovated Lindsey Nelson Stadium, a lot more seating, um, earning a 3-2 victory over the Bulldogs. Uh, the story of the game was pitching. Uh, Vols improved a 3-1 on a night where hits and runs were hard to come by. Um, but freshman Derek Schaefer, sophomore Andrew Benin, or how, ben, ben, Benke, I Benke, think, I think yeah, we got some weird names out here. Uh, Benke and redshirt freshman uh, Austin Hunley uh, combined to pitch the entire game and strike out 10 while issuing just one walk on the night. Uh, Schaefer got the start first of his career. 
settled in nicely after a rocky first inning. We've seen this uh, for a couple guys so far in the yeah. early season, and, and that's as expected. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, in which he allowed a run on two hits and a walk. Uh, the Arizona native retired all six batters he faced in the second and third innings before handing the ball off to Benke uh, to start the fourth. Uh, despite the offensive struggles in this one, what did the pitching performance prove for the early season Vols, Max? Well, you saw some guys get some work that you know aren't at the forefront of this team. You know, Schaefer's not going to be a weekend starter most likely, barring injuries. Um, and some of the guys out of the pen that you mentioned, you know, they're not the front line arms. But it just shows the depth this team has. I know it is UNC Asheville, so you don't want to overanalyze it. Um, but we've seen teams all across the country already drop games like the one we had last night and the one we're playing right now. So it was nice to see some arms that don't have much experience get some good work under their belt, um, prove that they can you know, get guys out, and hopefully that helps you come tournament time, et cetera, down the road SEC play when you need to employ or deploy more arms um, and have more options out of the bullpen. Um, so just you, you want to see these guys progress as the year goes on. You want to see their velocity, you know, stay where it is as the year goes on or increase. Um, so that, that's what I'm looking for out of those guys. You know, it's a nice first start, and hopefully they can contribute down the road in more meaningful games because of nights like last night. Yeah, uh, this team is very deep and talented at the pitching position, uh, especially for guys that could come out of the bullpen. I feel like even last year's team – uh, kind of lacked bullpen depth. I feel like you had several lights-out relievers, but then especially in tournament play when you were going to have to go back-to-back-to-back, you know, three games in four days, uh, you didn't have guys that could pitch on that second day. You, you used Chase Burns, and that was the big story of the weekend was, well, Chase Burns went on the first game. He can't go again until Sunday or Monday at that point when you're playing your third or fourth game in the tournament. So now that you have multiple levels, that's going to help later in the season. You're going to have more guys you can bring in and trust and not have a drop-off as much to those next level. I thought Hunley looked outstanding, maybe the best of all three of them that pitched yesterday. Uh, looked just just like his brother did when he was yeah. in Orange yeah. uh, a couple of years ago, um, and hopefully he continues that. I think you've got some guys that can make their way into the conversation for Sunday, possibly. Yeah. Uh, don't know about the freshman yet, but uh, you know maybe a guy like Hunley has been around for a year. Maybe he makes that jump. We've got several guys going today, I know as well, um, that I would like to see in that conversation. Matthew Dallas, yes. great start for yes. him today. We'll talk yes. about him in a minute. Uh, Dylan Loy looked good today as well. Um, so some guys that are due maybe to get a starting nod here pretty soon, um, hopefully. Um, but it shows me, the good pitching shows me that even when the offense is off, this team's going to be in a lot of games. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to be out of games because the pitching's given up six runs and the offense can't keep up. Uh, they'll be able to stay in games and be able to just grind out a couple runs and win. The thing I love about this is, is freshman, sophomore, redshirt freshman. Yeah. That, that's depth. And mm-hmm. um, I think all three of them had, had some really good moments in this one. And I think it just helps, even though we're, we don't know who, who the number three or the, the day three starter is going to be yet, most likely not going to be one of these guys. But again, as you mentioned, having a little bit of a competition with having having – the more the merrier, you know what I mean? So the more guys you've got involved, the more guys that are getting opportunities, you can get her, uh, better get a glimpse of what they can offer and, and who your best option is on Sunday. And I think um, continuing to do that in out-of-conference play is very important. Um, and I think it shows another strength of the Vols, how deep they can go in a situation. If they need to bring another guy in, they can do it. 
Um, so I think it shows depth and, and also allowing guys to get experience. You talk about Matthew Dallas. Uh, he was a guy we talked about last week. Um, he's had a great day today so far. We'll talk about the, the current game going on right now here in a minute. But another one of those guys, a freshman, getting them involved, getting experience, showing off some depth. Uh, I really like that. Um, I want to talk about Kavaris Tears, though. Um, led the offense with his second straight multi-hit game, going two for four with a solo home run to tie the game at one in the bottom of the second inning. Uh, in addition, Christian Moore also drove in a run with an RBI single um, in the third to give UT a 2-1 lead. Um, and then Hunter Inslee drove in an eventual game-winning run with a sack fly in the seventh uh, to score pinch runner uh, Bradkey Lawry and make it a, a 3-2 big orange win. Um Kavaris Tears, a guy that didn't get too much run last year, has a really good bat, really good arm in the in the outfield, a guy that a lot of people kind of think that this is a guy that could make a big impact. So far he has this season. Kind of turning into a not a, necessarily a centerpiece just yet, but a guy that could be there at some point is an offensive centerpiece in, in front of our eyes in Kavaris Tears. You know, I, uh, that'd be awesome. I don't think we need him to be, but – just what he's done already, I think, is what, you know, above and beyond what this team needs. Um, you know, he had another nice day today as well. He, he's always had the pop. I mean, that was obvious last season, and I think he can really feast on that short porch and right field as well. I mean, we've seen so many good left-handed hitters come through the program in recent years, kind of take advantage of that, and he seems like the next in line to do so. So, you know, I think if he's a guy that can give you consistent – uh, numbers, he can drive the ball to all fields, gives you gap-to-gap power as well, then he's someone that, you know, if you slide into that seven spot in the lineup or the two spot in the lineup that is better than the other team's guy batting at that spot in the order. And and that's really what I think is the upside with tiers is there's enough talent around him that kind of makes him better as well. He's the guy that's going to get pitched to a little more often than some of the guys like Amick and Moore, et cetera, that pitchers mm-hmm. are more worrisome of. And, and so far he's been feasting on that. So, you know, I think – he doesn't need to be the guy in this lineup, but he, if, if he is, if he's someone that is in that conversation, that just shows how deep this lineup will be, and there will be really no easy outs anywhere, yeah. one through nine. I think he kind of started doing this last year. It felt like to me we could immediately tell the pop that he's got off his bat, uh, the upside that he has. We saw that last year. We saw it in fall ball as well. Uh, but now he's finally blossoming, and what a time to do it. You get the starting job in right field, and all of a sudden, wow, here he is, Kavar's tears on the scene, and it's enough to bump him to the cleanup spots. A lot of trust uh, from, from Tony V to put him in the four spot uh, in these early season games and give him a run, and he's doing just as well. Move him up the lineup, he's hitting just as well. Homered yesterday, at least one for two today from what I'm seeing um, here. He's got an RBI, I believe, as well today again. So another contributing day for, for Kavar's tears from the plate. Um, he's been one of the more consistent bats already, uh, but he's the type of electric spark plug guy that we talk about in basketball that could win you ball games. I think we, we talked about this with Billy Amick last week as well, um, that he can be that guy. I think Tears can be as well. They can just get you that big hit to keep you in a game, put you back in a game, extend the lead, that kind of thing. Um, and if this production continues, yeah, I think he'll be a centerpiece of the team. Yeah. All right, so talking about the, the current game that's going on right now, uh, Mr. Johnson City, Colby Bacchus, with a uh, home run, three-run shot to give the Volunteers a lead, 16-0 um, here in the – I'm trying to read the fine. the bottom of the sixth. Bottom of the uh, – let's see. Okay, yes, bottom of the sixth uh, as we head to the seventh inning. Vols lead 16-0. Um, and this was 
sparked by a big bottom of the third uh, where the Vols <laughs> scored 11 runs Oof. to extend their lead over ETSU 12 to nothing. Uh, 10 of the 11 runs were scored with two outs as the Vols batted around. Uh, Hunter Inslee, Christian Moore ignited the big inning with back-to-back singles to lead things off. Um, it led to Inslee scoring on a fielder's choice on a Cannon Peebles ground ball, an RBI single from Tears, um, Robin Villanueva RBI single, a three-run homer from freshman uh, shortstop Dean Curley, an Inslee RBI double, and a two-run shot from Moore, and a two-run shot from Billy Amick. Wow. Uh, you want some offense. You want some fireworks. Wow. Um, that would have been a bad time to go to the bathroom or, or go to the concession <laughs> stand right there. Um, a lot of offense in that bottom of the third. Uh, Vols now lead 16-0. Um, yesterday and even before we came on, we were talking about the importance of um, you know winning these games where we've seen a couple teams. We saw Florida lose to St. John's. We saw Arkansas lose one. Vanderbilt uh, lost one. Vanderbilt Wake lost, Wake one. lost yeah. last night as well. Wake. Um, so a couple of teams. Um have lost games to inferior opponents. And this is a, a, a ETSU team where Tennessee has not dominated like this in recent games. I think the average, uh, average uh, differential in points has been like four, four. runs. So it's always been close. Um, but Tennessee able to get it done tonight, at least barring a 16-run <laughs> inning from the, uh, from the Buccaneers. But uh, a good win, you know, uh, continuing to kind of see what you've got getting a lot of younger guys involved, I, I like it. And, um, you know, holding a, holding a team to a shutout is pretty impressive, especially for Matthew Dallas, guy we were talking about. Yeah, the, the hitting's been great. I'm looking at some of these stats. Christian Moore, two for three today, scored twice, batted in two. Uh, obviously, Backus, you said Mr. Johnson City, yes. hits a homer today, good for him. Blake Burke has his first hit of the year, I believe, today. Billy Amick is one for two. Tears is one for two. Uh, Dean Curley, uh, is it Dean Curley? Two for three? Yeah, Dean, Dean Curley. Curley? Yeah. He yeah. went two for three. His other hit was a triple, by the way. Yeah. Uh, he, he's knocked in three. So just a bunch of guys really. Ensley, perfect today. Three for three from the yeah. plate, scored twice. So uh, you kind of overlook the pitching with the offense, but the pitching's been good too. Mm-hmm. No runs given up yet for the Vols. Great, great looks over there as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, two out hitting is so huge. I know it's ETSU, but that is so huge. I mean, scoring that many runs with two outs, that's what great teams do is they find ways – to score with two outs, so that's a great sign from this lineup. You know, timely hitting is is paramount. And then on top of that, uh, f- just to note, back in that second inning where Tennessee – or second or third inning when Tennessee put up 11 runs, uh, Cannon Peebles had an RBI fielder's choice. The throw would have beaten him to first. It was off mark. If that throw had reached, uh, you know, got retired Peebles, if it had been a good throw from the second baseman, they're out of that inning one or two nothing. Instead, yeah. one one misfire, and next thing you know, they look up and it's thirteen and nothing or twelve mm-hmm. to nothing at the end of that inning. Uh, so that tells you how how important the little things are in the game of baseball. They could have been out of there, and the game would have been within reach for the Buccaneers. Instead, one misfire in Tennessee. You can't leave the door open for this team. There's too much talent on offense, yeah. and they made them pay. And that is a, a nice start to the season, winning back to back games mm-hmm. at home. Um, and when we come back, we'll give our best bets of the night. Stay right here on overtime. Rev up your savings at Volunteer Auto Group, your one-stop destination for quality vehicles at unbeatable prices. Cruise through their vast selection of pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. They've got the flexible financing options that make it easy for you to drive home today. Volunteer Auto Group, where every deal's a winner. 1501 Callahan Drive, 
Check them out online at volauto.com and tell them Fan Run sent you. A brand built in Tennessee and born from the love of the game. Inward Half revolutionizes golfing comfort. Crafted by a former pro and dedicated enthusiast just like you, our luxury performance wear guarantees you stay cool and comfortable through every swing and every day. We're not just a brand. We've set out to create a lifestyle for those who understand that impeccable style and premium performance are a hole-in-one. Enjoy the walk-in with Inward Half. eBay Motors here for the ride. Elbow grease and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. LED headlights. Spoilers. Attention service members and veterans. Introducing the Griffin Law Firm, your trusted ally in military legal matters. Whether it's fighting for your rights, navigating complex regulations, or seeking justice, at Griffin Law, your mission is their mission. Here's VFL Marshall Griffin. As a veteran and retired military attorney, I've successfully defended lifelong benefits and helped preserve professional futures. So I know that when you hire a military justice lawyer, you maximize your chance to get relief. With my unique experience, I can advocate for you because there's no military matter that's too big or too small. Let us help you make these critical decisions that could affect the rest of your life. Remain silent, request counsel, call Griffin Law. For a free consultation, call 888-707-4282. That's 888-707-4282. Or visit griffinlawdefense.com. Life is more fun with a Good Life checking account, offering extra benefits including bank travel. Join us for a trip to Mackinac Island for a stay at the beautiful Grand Hotel. Travel with us to southern Utah to witness the enormous, colorful, and unusual rock formations. Or join us on one of our many day trips. We're always on the go. Citizens National Bank. Banking never felt so good. Member FDIC. Back here on overtime. <laughs> uh, time for our best bets of the night. Um, I'll begin with uh, one of my smaller plays tonight, and this is uh, Marquette minus 27.5. I hate to beat a dead horse here, but DePaul is having one of the worst seasons oh in high major yeah. history. Uh, they're 3 and 22, 0 and 13 in conference play. Um, I, they've lost. Uh, 13 I, I think they've lost 13 games by 20 plus this year something like that um, this is a, a horrible basketball team <laughs> meeting yeah. Marquette who's coming in mad as a hornet oh, yeah. after getting just dumped by UConn on Saturday um, I, the, the smaller play just because I think Marquette is so much better 
30 point, almost a 30-point spread, though, a little scary. But uh, DePaul is terrible, and Marquette having a bounce-back opportunity at home where they've been really great as of late. Uh, give me Marquette, minus 27.5. Yeah, I bet on UConn when they went to DePaul. They were like 24.5, yeah. and they covered by like 15 yeah. points. I yeah. mean, DePaul, they need to get this next hire right, or they need to go to like the Missouri Valley. Yeah, I mean, or just quit playing. Yeah, <laughs> which is a shame because they used to be a good oh, program back like in the 70s and 80s. Ruthless. Um, my first one is... New Mexico, I got it when it was a lower number. It's moved up to 7.5, I believe. They're at home versus Colorado State. And this is another one of those matchups where it's a tournament-caliber Mountain West team, and it seems like all these, they just split. You know, yeah. they, went, they beat the good team at home, then they lose to them on the road. Yep. Um, New Mexico playing at the pit, which is one of the better mid-major home court advantages in college basketball. Huge game for them as well. This would kind of cement their standing in the NCAA tournament, um, kind of get them off the bubble entirely. And it's another top 25 team on the road versus a tournament-level team, which all year that has been a struggle for the top 25 caliber teams. We saw San Diego State struggle with it last night at Utah State, another yep. Mountain West game yep. exactly yep. like this. So yeah, I like New Mexico too. minus seven. New Mexico currently first to the last four buys in Lenardi's new bracketology mm-hmm. today, so it would be a big win for them. I got Florida plus nine and a half yep. at the Alabama Crimson Tide. Uh, this is a big number, too big a number for the way these two teams play offense, especially recently. I don't like this number, especially Alabama is just not very good defensively. Uh, we saw them play poorly against us. Uh, I think they do the same. Florida, they're a team that is heating up. They're a team a lot of people are starting to to start to recognize as a team that could make a tournament run. So tonight, a statement possibility for them in what I think is just way too big a line. I don't know if they win, but again, this is just a line where I think they cover nine and a half. Yeah, all right. Uh, some of my bigger plays of the night now. Uh, New Mexico minus seven. Um, this is a, a, you know, as Max just talked about, playing in the pit is such a hard place to play yeah. in. Uh, Jalen House is going to have his way defensively um, with, with Stevens and, and Donovan Dent alongside House. Uh, a dynamic backcourt in the Mountain West. Um, a little bit of a, a precursor here. In the net rankings, the Mountain West have six teams in the top 45. This is a really, really good conference. Wow! And they continue to win on the or the the better team, or I guess the the home team wins, and then the uh, it, it repeats itself the next time. Similar situation here. Um, I, I really love this New Mexico team. I've I've taken them a ton this year. This is a very similar spot to when they played San Diego State at home and beat the brakes off them. Um, very similar when they played Utah State at home, beat the brakes off them. Uh, I like New Mexico uh, minus seven tonight. Yeah, I'm also on Florida with you. Uh, I, I think the number, once again, is too big. I think it's a a lot of it, too. I think it's a huge letdown spot for Alabama. They just got that big, roaring win over A&M. They play Kentucky in Lexington on Saturday, a huge game for them. Meanwhile, Florida's in the middle of a stretch where they played uh, Georgia. Now they play Alabama, then they play Vanderbilt Missouri. So this is their up game. This is the game they got to get up for in this little stretch they're on right now. Um, it's the one they've had circled. So I think it's a huge letdown spot. And I also think, uh, you know, Florida, like you said, just a way better shooting team than A&M. I think this line's a little inflated because of what how embarrassing Alabama made A&M look. And we've seen what A&M has been, you know, in, in this current stretch. Last week, yeah. It's at, and last night. Yes. So I think that it's a little recency bias there, and Florida is a much better shooting team than A&M and will be able to put up more points and, and stay in this game more so than the Aggies were. 
I'm going to go to another of the last four buys. You guys took New Mexico. I'm taking Nebraska, plus one and a half on the road tonight at Assembly Hall in Indiana. The Huskers have won four of their last five. They got a slow start in conference play, uh, but a win over top ten Wisconsin a couple weeks ago was huge for them. They're playing great basketball, three straight double-digit wins in conference play. Uh, the Huskers only allow 39% shooting from their opponents. They average 77 a game, led by Mast and Tomanaga. I believe I'm pronouncing yes. that right. Uh, I think they pull one out tonight and cover that one and a half at Assembly Hall to keep their tournament hopes alive. All right, my other big play of the night, Alabama minus nine and a half. Mm, mm, uh, mm. This is a, a team that is just so good at home offensively. They rank inside the top ten in, in several categories offensively, three-point percentage, two-point percentage, three-throw percentage, and effective field goal percentage. Um, this is one of the fastest teams in the country, 11th in adjusted tempo, uh, playing at home where they get a ton of energy. They're going to set the tone in this one. I think it's a very high-scoring game uh, if you want to take the total over. I think it's like 170 or something like that. Um, that that'd be another good number to look at. But I like Alabama minus 9.5 here. The line has been moving and moving and moving closer um, to a, a in Alabama's favor. Um, I think this is too dynamic of an offense to not take. Um, I know they're playing Kentucky this weekend. It's a little bit of a letdown spot possibly, but Alabama is one of the hottest teams in college basketball as of late. So was Florida. They played great basketball. Um, I, I just like Alabama playing at home um, and, and this number, 9.5. Um, those are our best bets of the night. To recap real quick, Alabama minus 9.5, uh, Marquette minus 27.5, New Mexico minus 7 for me, Max. New Mexico and Florida for me, both their spreads. Florida plus nine and a half, Nebraska plus one and a half. I had one more. Sorry, I guess I forgot to mention oh, I'm sorry. it. It's Kentucky yes. minus okay. five and a half at LSU. Okay. Uh, the Cats probably get back to form. Big win over Auburn on the Plains last weekend. LSU got a big win in Columbia last weekend, uh, but Kentucky's win was more impressive. I think LSU reverts to form, and Kentucky covers that number. Good deal. Those are our best bets of the night. Stay right here on Overtime for hour number two. Coming right up. <laughs> 